Well, we're in Luke chapter 6 this morning, and I just want to confess that, uh, you know, it's never easy to preach. Never, never. No, no message is simple. But, you know, there seems to be some times where messages are harder than others. When you feel as if your life is not um, congruent with what um, Jesus is uh, telling us. Can, can I be turned down a little bit? I feel it's a little hot around here, the, the microphone. Um, Jesus is going to say some hard things this morning for all of us. But it, it's, it's hit me between the between the eyes. Um, you know, I look at my life, and I have a beautiful home, four-bedroom home. Uh, our, all four of those bedrooms are filled with stuff. I have walk-in closets that are filled with stuff. I have a garage that's filled with stuff. I don't have one of the skinniest waistlines in our church. I have a boat that floats most of the time. But I'm not a person without. And... Um, and Jesus is going to share some hard things with um, his disciples, those who are wanting to follow him. He's, he's having the DTR talk, okay? And if you're in uh, fan or follower, you know what DTR stands for, define the relationship. And he's going to outline for his disciples what the profile of a follower is to be like. And I, I just want you to know, right off the front, up front, I feel like I'm, I'm standing on the shore of a vast ocean. And Jesus wants me to be out there, and I'm just allowing the waves to, to lap at my ankles. Jesus is going to drop an H-bomb on these disciples of what his kingdom is like, is to be like, what his kingdom values are. And they are vastly different from the world's values. And he's about to turn these Jews' values, and he's about to turn our values upside down. He's going to be comparing two different groups of people and their values. And I just want to ask you a question. Which group would you rather be a part? Would you rather be a part of the poor, hungry, sad, and rejected? Or would you like to be part of the rich, full, happy, and popular? Dare I ask, what group are you in? As to my confession this morning, I guess you can guess what I'm, uh, group I'm in. And for, for Jesus' audience, the Jews, these disciples, um, they thought, they, they assumed they were part of the blessed group. And, um, you know, their theology said that, you know, if you're going to, be in the center of God's will that you are going to be rich, full, happy, and popular. 
but Jesus is going to share with us this morning that that's not the blessed group. The Jews, the Jews were thinking that when G, the Messiah would come on the scene, that he was going to fully embrace their values. That he was going to affirm their righteousness, their godliness. That they were going to be part of, of his kingdom. And Jesus was coming, this Messiah was coming, and he was going to set up his kingdom here on earth now. And they were going to reign with him. They were going to hear him say, come on guys, let's go. But that wasn't Jesus' words. What Jesus is laying out concerning his values and the values of his kingdom, they're not politically correct. And the question for us today is, how, how do we reconcile his values in a capitalistic Western European culture. In a place where our standard of living is so high. So now you know why it's hard for me to stand up here this morning and preach this message. Welcome to church. But let's read Jesus' words, shall we? Luke chapter 6, starting with verse 17. He says this, And he came down with them and stood on a level place with a great crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people from all Judea and Jerusalem and the seacoast of uh, Tyre and Sidon who came to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. And those who were troubled with unclean spirits were cured, and all the crowd sought to touch him. For power came from him, and he healed them all. And he lifted up his eyes on his disciples and said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you shall be satisfied Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you and when they exclude you and revile you and spurn your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for behold, your rewards, your reward is great in heaven, for so their fathers did to the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you shall be hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. Woe to you when all people speak well of you, for so their fathers did to the false prophets. Jesus is comparing two groups of people. 
He's comparing the blessed group, the most favored group, with the woe group, the most unfavored group. And the blessed group is a desperate group. And the woe group is a self-sufficient group. And the question for us this morning and the question for me is, what group are we in? How do we reconcile Jesus' expectations for followers of him, for being his disciples in a place where our standard of living is so rich. Jesus is laying out um, a value system that he expects of his followers. Now, he's not pronouncing a curse on Poverty and hunger and or he's not pronouncing a blessing on poverty and hunger and weeping because if he if he if he was um, that's not why Jesus came Jesus came and died on a cross to alleviate our our suffering. But in this passage of scripture, he's not pronouncing a curse on abundance and laughter and social acceptance as well. What is Jesus conveying in this passage of scripture? He's talking about the, an attitude of the heart. He's, he's wanting to know, he, he's wanting to convey to us what our values need to be. Followers of him, these are the values of his followers. Uh, the kingdom, kingdom people are not driven by power and comfort and success and popularity. You know, f- for a lot of us here, we're going through fan or follower. And isn't that what was what Eric has been struggling with in the movie that we're watching? You know, his life has all been a part of 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 acquiring riches and and power and success and being popular. And where has it taken him? Where has it gotten him? Nowhere. He is as miserable as he's ever been. He realized that these aren't the values of the kingdom of heaven. These are not the things that he needs to be pursuing. And this, this is the profile. Jesus is laying out the profile for those who are to follow him. It's kind of like two different men. Suppose two men had the same position. Uh, they made the same amount of money. They had the, the same amount of influence. And they both lost their job at the same time. But one of those men, their values, their values did not revolve around the things of this world. Their values revolved around the kingdom of heaven. But the other person's values, his values revolved around the things of this world. Suppose both of those men lost their jobs simultaneously. What 
would be their reaction to their loss. I suppose one would be total devastation. Because this represented his life. This represented his identity. But for the other, he understands, yes, it's a loss. Yes, he grieves. Yes, there's probably stress. But life goes on. God is in control. And so, folks, this morning, I want us to look at Jesus' words. What, What describes a follower of Jesus Christ? Number one, Jesus says, my followers are poor. My followers are poor. Now, in the Old Testament, as we read the Old Testament, the Old Testament doesn't see see poverty as, as a blessing. Now, the Old Testament wants us to be mindful of the poor. In the Old Testament, uh, the the poor were allowed to glean from the from the fringes of the fields at harvest time. Uh, in the year of Jubilee, um, those um, who were slaved, the, those uh, who were under a pile of debt, everything was forgiven. Every seven years, there was a, a, a clean start to life. But as far as their Poverty being a blessing, this is foreign in the Old Testament. Now, in the Old Testament, um, the Bible warns against both uh, poverty and riches. This is what uh, Solomon says in Proverbs chapter 30, verses 8 and 9. He says, Remove from me falsehood and lying. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is needful for me lest I be full and deny you and say, who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. In the Old Testament, there's an expectancy that we need to be dependent on God for everything. Proverbs 10.22 says, the blessings of the Lord make rich and he adds no sorrow with it. But when Jesus comes on the scene in in the New Testament, he shows us something different about poverty. The Bible and the New Testament, the Gospels, Jesus is identifying with the poor. In fact, in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9, Paul talks about the fact that Jesus, who is rich, became poor so that we who were poor might become rich. Now, that's speaking in spiritual terms, not physical terms. But Jesus poured out his life. He became, he became poor like us, became one of us, so that we might be in a, have an opportunity to receive the, his full inheritance. But when we look at Jesus' life, Jesus didn't have a whole lot. In fact, Jesus was homeless. Jesus says, There's, I have no place where I can lie my head. This was the life of Jesus. Now understand something about poverty too. Poverty doesn't necessarily mean blessing. There's unrighteous ways to become poor. The Bible warns against laziness. 
Um, Proverbs chapter 6. It's not in your outline, but you can write it down. Proverbs 6, 10 and 11 says, A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. You can write down Proverbs chapter 20, verse 13. So there, there are some unrighteous ways of becoming poor. Poverty isn't necessarily a blessing, nor is wealth a curse. There are righteous ways to live as if you are poor. Work hard, work honestly, live humbly, be generous, But the Bible warns about the dangers of riches. And that's where where Eric was at. Eric was living according to the world's values. He was all about power and success and popularity. And this was getting him nowhere. The Bible says, warns against wealth. Why? Because it dulls our need for God. We are destitute. Our lives are destitute without God as the priority of our life. And if we have riches, if we have abundance, it has a tendency, a big tendency, especially in our American culture, to move us away from our dependence on God. Folks, we need God for everything. And look what the Bible says to those who value um, poverty. Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Jesus is saying it's not going to be, will be the kingdom of God. Not in the millennial kingdom or in the eternal kingdom. But if if you choose to live humbly today, if If you don't allow your life to revolve around your your wealth, your stuff, if you'll choose to live humbly, if you'll choose to be generous, you know, God has blessed us immensely. But God blesses us not so that we can move into bigger houses and cram more stuff into our closets and our garages. God blesses us so that we can be a blessing to others. And if we'll live that kind of lifestyle, Jesus says, yours is the kingdom of God today. Look at the opposite in verse 24. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. What's that mean? You have received your reward. What you are experiencing in this life, in the here and now, is as good as it's ever going to get. But for those whose riches are not about this world, they hold on to them loosely. Jesus says, you are my followers. 
And this is what what you're experiencing here on earth is as bad as it's ever going to get. The best is yet to come. So Jesus isn't telling us to go out and just sell all of what we are and become homeless. Now, he did tell that to the rich young ruler, didn't he? Rich young ruler wanted to know what was required for him to be a a follower of Jesus. He kept all the commandments. He had done all these things. Jesus, Jesus said, you go and sell all that you have. Because he knew, Jesus knew his life was wrapped around his possessions. And this was always going to be a stumbling block for him to be a true follower of God. But Jesus also met Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus, a tax collector, was a very wealthy person. Jesus wanted to hang out at Zacchaeus' house. But Jesus didn't tell Zacchaeus to go sell all of his possessions. Now, Zacchaeus decided that he was going to be generous, that he had... He had oppressed the poor. He had done wrong, and so he wanted to repent. But that wasn't a demand that Jesus had placed on Zacchaeus. So Jesus treats people differently. Jesus knows what's going on inside of our hearts. But what Jesus is saying in this passage of Scripture is don't value wealth. Don't wrap your life around things. Be willing to live in poverty. Be generous with how through the things that God has blessed your life with. Those who follow me value poverty. Second, those who follow me are hungry. Now, the Old Testament does not equate blessing with physical hunger. But the Bible does equate following God with spiritual thirst and longing after the things of God. In your outline, you have Psalm 42, 1 and 2. Let me just read uh, those two passages. Um, Psalm 42 it's Psalm 63.1, not Isaiah 63.1. That's my fault. But let me read both those Psalms. 42.1 says, As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before my God? Look at Psalm 63, 1. It says, O God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Is that the desire of your heart? Do you long for the things of God or do you hunger for the things of this world? You know, we live in a culture today 
where we're just bombarded by commercials and materialism and, and, and commercials wanting to convince you that if you have these things, this is what's going to make you successful. This is what's going to fill that longing in your heart. I'm amazed at children's I hate commercials. You know, I, I, I've got one of those programs where I can fast forward through commercials because, uh, you know, it's not something that interests me. But if you're a watch children, watch children programs. Now that I'm a grandpa, I get to do this all over again. When they're watching a cartoon, they don't want to fast forward through the commercials. They want to they wanna watch those commercials. And advertisers are trying to convince these kids, you've got to have this. Man, life is going to be fun. And after they see that commercial, what are they saying? Mommy, Daddy, Pa, can I have that? You know, we live in an American culture where we're never satisfied. And there's still something else that we need to have. Jesus is saying that's not where life comes from. Jesus is saying that we need to hunger for the things of God, that that is what's going to fill us up. Let me just read Luke chapter 6 again. He says, Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you shall be satisfied. Look at verse 25. Woe to you who are full now, for you shall be hungry. Sometimes it's good to go without. Now, I know I sound like a hypocrite with this waistline, but sometimes it's good, it's good to go without food and focus on where our, our heart's priority needs to be and long for the things of God. To go without and so that we can be generous uh, with others and, and, uh, what God wants us to distribute in the kingdom. I think of Lottie Moon. We just completed our Lottie Moon Christmas offering. And uh, did you know that Lottie Moon died of hunger? She was serving the people of China. And there was famine in China. And Lottie Moon gave up her food so that others wouldn't go without. And she died of malnutrition. But Jesus says, my followers are hungry. Hungry for the things of God. And sacrificial, giving up so that others can have as well. The third, the third profile of a follower, Jesus says, my followers weep. Look at verse 21b. It says, Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. Verse 25b. Woe to you who laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. Now, now this isn't an attack on, on laughter. Uh, Jesus isn't encouraging forlorn, uh, de- depressed, disposition. You know, that's not what he's talking about here. The the Bible says that laughter is good medicine to the soul. Proverbs chapter 17, verse 22. So he's, he's not saying blessed are the grim, cheerless Christians. 
But what he is saying here is we need to we, we need to learn to weep at things that are appropriate to weep at and not laugh at things that are inappropriate to laugh at. I like I like what Kent Hughes says in his commentary on Luke. He says we are called to weep over lost souls. People who go go into eternal darkness without Christ. We are to weep over the world's misery, over injustice that falls on so many helpless people, over the unfairness that victimizes the weak, child abuse, battered spouses, over marriages destroyed by adultery, over homes destroyed by divorce, over rejection, over those who laugh now, but who, unless they turn to Christ, will suffer an eternity apart from God. We need to learn to weep about things that oppress people. We need to weep over injustice, over the weak, the marginalized. This is... Martin Luther King's birthday weekend. We celebrate Martin Luther King's life. He was an imperfect person. He had faults, just like all of us do. But he saw the injustices of inequality against African Americans especially. And he was willing to stand up against that injustice appropriately through civil through civil disobedience he didn't fight he didn't have a gun but he stood for what was right and because of those convictions because of his dreams because of his values that needed to be a part of this country he had lots of followers And his life made a difference. This happens to be Sanctity of Life weekend as well. Do you know that today marks the 40th anniversary of Roe versus Wade? Since 1973, there has been nearly 56 million abortions. The loss of innocent lives. You know, a few weeks ago, we grieved over 20 kindergartners, five and six years old, six year olds that were gunned down in an elementary school. But do we grieve over the millions of preborn babies? who lose their lives. Thousands that lose their lives every single day. That's injustice. In church, we have a responsibility to speak out against that. Not in inappropriate ways, but appropriate ways. And we need to get involved in the conversation. And we need to tell the truth. 
We need to weep over things that grieve the heart of God. And when we do, we're not going to be very popular. We're going to be rejected. Which brings us to number four. Now, the first three things are are a sober look at what we need to value personally. And as we value those things, it will lead to number four. And when Jesus says, my followers are persecuted. Look at verse 22. Blessed are you when people hate you and when they exclude you and revile you and spurn your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven, for so their fathers did to the prophets. Verse 26, woe to you when all people speak well of you, for so their fathers did to the false prophets. Jesus says in John 15, if they persecuted me, just know that they are going to persecute you. Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 12 says, Those who desire to live godly lives will be persecuted. Followers of Jesus Christ are not going to win popularity contests. And those who do win popularity contests who call themselves followers, they have to compromise certain values. Those who desire to live godly lives will be persecuted. Jesus says that we're going to be hated in verse 22. Verse 28, he says you're going to be insulted. Verse 29, they're going to physically abuse you. Verse 30, they're going to sue you. But to be a follower of Christ is not simply believing him in him, but is willing to suffer for his namesake. Philippians chapter 1, verse 29. <clears throat> and to, so to live according to these values, we're going to have enemies. How do you address those enemies? Well, we're going to look at that in two weeks. And I want to encourage you to be a part of this message because it's not necessarily something that you think. But Jesus says that we need to love our enemies. But in the meantime, Jesus is laying out a profile for his disciples. He says, you've got to be willing to be poor. You've got to be willing to go hungry to have an appropriate attitude towards what's evil, to stand up for what is morally right and be willing to suffer the consequences against those who refuse to believe the truth. I like what Rick Warren says in The Purpose Driven Life, his book. He says this, when you fully comprehend that there is more to life than just the here and now. And when you live in the light of eternity, 
your values change. You use your time and money more wisely. You place a higher premium on relationships and character instead of fame or wealth or achievements or even fun. Your priorities are reordered, keeping up with trends and fashions and popular values just don't matter as much anymore. Folks, why are we to be followers of Jesus Christ? Because there is far more than what this world has to offer. If this is all you are living for, Jesus says, you have your consolation. Jesus says, this is not my kingdom. The best is yet to come. And we need to live our lives as believers, of followers of him that reflect the kingdom that is yet to come. And we do that by being generous with what God has blessed us with. We aren't to hoard it. We aren't to build bigger barns. We don't have to throw it all away. But we need to live generously. We need to live humbly. And we need to live totally dependent on him because without God, we are destitute. We need to stand church for what is right. Stand against injustice. Support the weak, the marginalized. Not be obnoxious, not bring attention to ourselves, but lovingly be who Jesus wants us to be. Tell the truth, be willing to suffer the consequences, but continue to love, continue to be Jesus. This is life. Jesus came to give us life and to give it to us abundantly, not just in heaven, but here on earth. But in order for us to experience that abundant life, we've got to live according to his values. And I hope that message has been coming across clear in the fan or follower series. Eric was living a life unto himself. He was a fan of Jesus Christ. He knew Jesus. He was going to church, but Jesus wasn't making any difference in his life because he was living according to the world's values. And he had had enough. And he changed the course of his life by living according to God's values. Life didn't necessarily come easier for him. But he was living according to Jesus' profile. Folks, I want to encourage you to take this journal and make it part of your daily life 
Now, for some of you, you're, you're a couple weeks in, in, into it, and if, uh, if, uh, you haven't been consistent with it. Let me encourage you to be consistent. But make a serious, sober evaluation. Which group am I a part of? Am I part of the rich, successful, popular, fun group? Or am I willing to be poor and hungry? Grieve over the, over sin and willing to be rejected. The second group are the true followers of Christ. Let's pray. In the quietness of this moment, what group are you in? Choose to make a decision. To truly discover what it means to take up your cross and follow him. Jesus, your words are sobering. And this message was not easy to convey, to preach, because my life is not congruent with your words. And and Lord, I pray that we, whom you have spoken to this morning, will take your words more seriously. Father, these values will truly be in our heart. And we will live out those values, not for our glory, but, Father, for yours. That others might have the opportunity to come into your kingdom and know the God that we know. Thank you, Father, for this time, for your words of truth. May they come alive in our hearts. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.